The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Okay, you ready for CTI? Big time. Okay, let's stretch. All right. Uh, my notes are all over the shop, but that's okay. It's just for the substack. It's just the important paid one. It's just the most important people in our whole world. Kia ora koutou. Welcome to The Real Pod, you lovely cornies. We love you. We love you. We do. This is our beautiful safe space. We're on Treasure Island. My name is Janie. I'm joined by Duncan Grebe. Alex, Casey, globetrotting. Yeah. We'll talk about what she's up to in The Real News shortly. But before we even get into The Real News, do you want to tell us about some of this telly you've been watching that's not CTI? Yeah, I feel like because... CTI is a relatively manageable volume. Um, you know, it's it's three episodes. They're roughly forty minutes each. We get sent screeners, so I don't have to sit through ads. But it's not maths. It's not maths level. It's not maths level, and it's also I feel like historically we'd had the block and CTI yeah, running simultaneously. Uh, so I've been able to just kind of watch some television unencumbered by by obligation and. Had a great time. What have you been watching? Well, as I mentioned, I'm now like a certified Aloniac. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started watching Alone Australia. Have I talked about that? God, no, you haven't, but you're about to. It's made by SBS, which is their – they've got two public broadcasters in Australia and SBS is the kind of much more sort of public service and ABC is the mass market one. And it feels like they've, they've cast it in a very SBS way, i.e. there are some people who are there – to represent different the the sort of broad demography mm. of Australia, but who maybe shouldn't be right out in the wilderness and <laughs> and so the, it, it's got a really I don't want to give anything away, but the second episode is just like shocking in the context of a line. They've also shipped them to just like a disgusting and scary place. So, so they're all in the same rough. They're, they're, all, they're all battling they're the same all, elements. They, they are, but you know. You know, like the the Alaskan seasons or the Vancouver Island season, they basically like it's a nice place and it's going to get cold and you've got time to sort of prepare for the bad things that are coming. This one's in Tasmania and it's just like a boggy swamp filled with dead trees oh. and they and there there don't appear to be any animals there, but also like. They, for some reason, put them in a place where, and this again feels very SBS, or maybe I'm too, reading too much into it, but I was kind of obsessed with looking for SBS tales, like where you're, where you're basically, of all of the good protein-rich um, sort of fatty animals that would kind of sustain you for any period of time, 
you're not you're not allowed to shoot them with a bow and arrow, which is like the main way that you you hunt on this show. So they're kind of just walking around with an axe, just hoping that they can just what, swing what at something. What difference does it make? Why are they not allowed to use a bow and arrow? I don't know. I think Tazzy's maybe got a just different vibe to some of the more kind of rural sort of red statey vibes of, of maybe the likes of like Queensland or WA or something. They need Danny Morrison in a spade. They they, 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 they really do. <laughs> they really need to just get a bit more visceral with it. But then also, the the I mean, it, it rains... I think where they are, it rains like six out of every seven days. The water is just sort of dank and still. When they finally catch a fish, it's like, oh God, it's barely as big as your hand. Is it like it's, the nuclear fish in The Simpsons? It really is. It's just the most grim scene. And it's kind of, it's, it's, it's like someone's read about alone and then tried to kind of f- fix for its problems, but has never watched it. It's just so odd. I'm really enjoying it, I've but it's a, a different show. I've got a spin off idea. Not the spin-off, but a spin-off of that show, yeah. Home Alone Alone. So the cast of Home Alone become the cast of Alone. That's, that's an incredible idea. Thank you. Really good. Copyright the spin-off, actually, after all that. Okay, I'll, I, I went you, too you far. You have to then. move on. You have to move on because you, that's not even the show you told me you were going to talk about and you've got two more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just obsessed with Alone. I, I really I think we need like a... An Alona Corns channel or something. You're also obsessed with House Rules. Well, I'm not obsessed with House Rules, but Nikki is, so okay. I've, I'm kind of watching in the background. I think it might be better than The Block, or, or at least more New Zealand. Basically, it's four couples who are all, like, stretched to their absolute limit to get into a house and have got no hope of ever fixing anything about it. And they get given, like, a decent chunk of money uh, to, to sort of fix up each one of the houses and then... Basically, the the way it works is that you give a kind of a brief mm. to the other couples and they spend five days um, doing a quick makeover. It's not it's nothing like the sort of scale of the block. And it's like one space at a time, right? Well, no, you, you do one house, but, but each couple has a different sort of area of the house. So there's right. a real potential for mismatched, right. um, mismatched styles and for con- inter-couple conflict. But... There's something about it, just like the homes are much less kind of bougie glam than than what the block ones end up being. The characters, I think maybe because they can go home at the end of the day, they've they just sort of uh, they feel more like real and less like cool, hot interior designery kind of people. And the 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 aesthetic of the thing is just because it's existing houses with kind of rough drywall and they're all in like kind of small sections it just feels so much more authentically us and i don't know how it's rating but i feel like house rules is uh, is worth worth watching and i'd kind of like it if it actually ultimately replaced the block i think it, it we're sort of done with that era and we're maybe moving that, into this different maybe one. that's exactly what's happening i know the cornies are really keen on it so, yeah. yeah. So, so I recommend that. And uh, lastly, finally watch the Wham documentary. I know nothing of this. It was like a buzz show, I don't know, maybe like two, three months ago because it, I think, spoke to this. Basically, they were they were a critically reviled band for most of their time and they, there's been a big kind of uh, basically uh, like a re-examination of them subsequently and, and of George Michael, particularly his songwriting and, and singing. You watch it now and there are two things that stand out. One is that 
the music was incredible, but mm. but they they almost they didn't invent the concept of the modern pop act, but man, did they do like they feel so strikingly modern in terms of the way that they presented to the world. So that that is unbelievable. And then there's this other part that is part of why they were reviled was because there was this association with uh, basically kind of. You know, like like post Ian Curtis, this this you know the singer of Joy Division, this idea that the only way you could create authentic art was by being uh, was by being this tortured human, and they were just really happy, and that felt kind of authentically them, and very much the vibe of the era. But the critics just could not understand that, and and just ripped them apart, and it really destroyed George, but also kind of drove him to be like he was like I am going to be incredible, mm-hmm. and was. And it's uh, it's got incredible, like just outstanding archive. It's a really, really fun, interesting look again kind of a watch. And yeah, it's just uh, just had a, had a great time with my TV the last week. You really have. I love this. I love this kind of energy you're bringing to the pod because you used to come in being like, "Haven't watched anything." I know, I know, but and now you're watching literally everything. Because can I plug something here yeah. to, the, to this? Uh, Is it like sleeping or no? Uh, I'm taking over Rec Room, the spinoffs um, sort of TV and pop culture recommendations newsletter. Taking over it from post the election, yeah. so another couple of weeks to run. But um, if you're a fan of this podcast, maybe give it a sub. Yeah, definitely give it a sub. You're going to get. Does that? Will we have? Will you be bringing this every week to us like this, or will you save it for the rec room? I mean, if you if you'll have me, I think you just need to make it a little shorter because we got a lot to talk about. Okay, okay, okay. let's okay. get into it. Here's the real news. Okay, Alex is, as you know, she's she's out and about around the world. She's um, checking in with us periodically, but for the most part, she's following the brief of being on holiday, which means not actually being in touch with us that much. But she does drop the occasional little treat, like a an attempt. I want to say a plank, but it's an attempted plank outside the Oppenheimer office in on Sunset, which is the uh, the home of Selling Sunset. Um, it's, it's a real treat of a pick. It's such a great shot, and you can find it on our Substack. Uh, which we already are because you are listening to this pod, so you've probably already seen it. It's just great to think she wasn't in LA all that long. No, but the idea that she sort of went out of her way to to do that, pick just just for the love of the corn. Like, I actually feel corn. like she might have booked accommodation nearby <laughs> to make it easier. Like that was that was. I mean, I know John Lemon had some plans to go and visit some museums and things, but top of top top of Alex's to do list was to. Try and plank outside the Oppenheimer Group. Not a cheap part of town either. <laughs> Not a cheap part of town, but worth it. Worth every penny, I have to say. Um, and I don't know where in the world she is now. She, I know she she was in London recently because she ran into our old social media manager on the street. And and love from, and love from, from should, should, It's just this is New Zealand, you oh, know. But over there, it really is. It's so good. It really is. Uh, and that's kind of the last we've heard of her. She's not missing. She's just. She's, she's, she's just enjoying living. herself. She's yeah. living. Yeah. Presumably tracking down the Loch Ness Monster. She is. And if anyone's going to run into the Loch Ness Monster in this entire planet, if anyone's going to see that, have that celebrity sighting, we know it's Alex Casey. She, she has searched for it before, as I understand. So this will be at least the, the second search. Uh, maybe she's going to catch the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Wow. Um, that's that's a, a bagpipe Red Hot Chili Peppers covers band that um, she's quite partial to. You wow, know, so two much going awful on. things. Yeah, 
They actually go pretty high. Like they're, they're worth worth the YouTube. Um, and and my real news, I didn't have any real news until five forty five p.m. just yesterday um, when I <laughs> so good. I, I left the office. I did what I normally do: is get straight into my pajamas as soon as I get home. Bra off, jammies on, and uh, UGG boots. And I get a knock at the door, and I'm like. Uh, I had act campaigners like a, a couple of days prior. So I was like, it's definitely, it's, they're on the campaign trail. Someone's at the door. So I pretend to be on the phone, you know, so I can have the quick, like, now's not a good time. I open the door and it is a campaigner, only it's my local MP, Michael Wood. Michael Wood. <laughs> and we've gone by ju- lunchtime guest. Gone by lunchtime guest from the Megapod. I had not met him until last week when we did the Megapod and I was kind of like the hello, come in, sit down, have some chippies kind of person. And he looks at me and he goes, Jane. And I die because I'm like, he remembers me from that interaction. And I'm holding my dog who's screaming at him and I'm wearing my pyjamas. I'm pretending to be on my phone, but you can see it's the home screen (laughs) all lit up. And I say, I'm in my pyjamas. And I say, can I get a selfie for work? I take, he's he's very obliging. I take the selfie, which will be on the Substack for you to enjoy. Um, and then I say to him, you don't have to tell me anything I know all about you. <laughs> He's not even really said a word at this point apart from Jane. I didn't know you lived in the in the neighbourhood. And I essentially, because I'm so embarrassed about being in my PJs, I sh- shove him along and I close and he's like, you know, see you later. He's probably still there pitching. You I know? go to close the door and for some reason I reopen it and yell out, don't worry, I'm going to vote Labour and then shut the door again <laughs> because I just feel bad, like I feel bad for him and... I have no idea who I'm voting for. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. That's between you and the ballot box. You know, we, we have, we have uh, you know, we don't have a public ballot here. I'm impressed, though. Two things. Number one, remembered my name. That's, yeah. that's wild. I had very little interaction with him on the day. Number two, he's door knocking. Like, without anyone else, he's just going out, knocking yeah, on doors. Yeah, doing solo is impressive. Look, I, have I talked about when... Melissa Lee door knocked me a couple of weeks ago. No, but I, I remember vaguely that it happened. It did happen. It was it was quite funny because she had like a posse. She had like I think two volunteers and Carlos Chong, who's the Mount Roscoe candidate for national, and she's she's my local MP. I'm just down the road from you, Mount Albert. And um, within like thirty seconds, we were like in deep in a technical discussion of the uh, kind of current piece of legislation that's before select committee. And fair to say that the volunteers and Carlos looked a bit um, just mystified by the whole situation. So you just basically, the point is that you embodied who you are as a person <laughs> in your encounter with, with with your MP. and So did you. And I did too. <laughs> if only Alex was around to do the same. Oh my God. Who would she have, do you think? I'm not sure what electorate she'd, maybe she's in an island or... Yeah, Christchurch East. I don't know enough about those electorates. Nor do I. Okay. I know a little bit about Ireland actually, but uh, w- without confirmation, we'll, we'll just have to let, let some politicorns figure all that out. Uh, speaking of politicorns, that lovely crossover, don't forget there is a um, a secret little remember when hidden within a uh, an amplification of our hour, I like to call it, of the Megapod. It was the 11th hour when the real pod stepped into the room and just made it just not as um, not as intelligent <laughs> as it had been for the... Don't look like that. Disagree. Okay. We talked about the worm. We talked a lot about Dancing with the Stars because that's where if reality telly is happening with politicians, it's happening on the dance floor. Um, 
And I had gone through and asked all the people who were visiting that day of Megapod, you know, if they were going to be in a reality show, which would it be and so on. And so there's some good little answers there, including Michael Wood saying that he just thinks that, that, you know, I can't remember the word he used, but that he's not a fan of reality TV. So, you know, I'm really compromised at this point because I've made a promise to a man whose values how I can, don't, how can I you don't for, for align a, with. I know. It's funny how, like, much that's a, a dagger to the heart. We it actually is. recently had a, a My Life in TV where um, I won't, I don't want to kind of reveal who said it because it feels mean, but they they... <laughs> they bagged out reality TV quite comprehensively. And every time I see them now, I'm just like, mm, you seem really lovely, but I don't know if I can forgive that. Yeah, I do you know what I, I, I think the most gracious read we can give it is that they just don't understand. If only we they, we had 100 hours of their time and yeah. could just give them a sort of a mega mix of, of a few seasons of the, of the classics. We could just send them the, the, the Spotify link to the real pod and then they'd be there. Anyway... Let's do what we do best. Let's do some recapping. Uh, this is Reality Check. I have four weeks to decide why I'm going to drop my entire life. I am disgusted at how much you have copied my husband. <laughs> Reality Check. But we've done so much pot already and we haven't even stepped onto the lake. No. Um, but we're there you now. don't want to step onto the lake. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Laura Daniel and, and Tame is telling you to go go fishing. That's true. <laughs> and you just do do as you're told, uh, even though he's just messing with you. But what? I mean, every week we're going to say it. What a week. I don't know if every week is going to be like this. Like uh, the, the, in terms of the kind of just the, the, the beauty and the kind of quasi-spiritual dimensions of it at its height in the middle of episode two... Are there going to be higher highs in, created in New Zealand television this year? Probably not. I don't, I don't imagine Probably so. Probably not. Like more emotions felt. I think it's really important when you recognise these peak moments that you realise that you're in the peak. Yeah. And you enjoy it and you embrace it because it's, it's not going to do that again. Well, you know? by the time this, this is, I will have written a piece about that because that, that, that moment was... It was quite unexpected. You're talking about Tame going. Yes, but but the whole sequence leading up to it yeah. too, particularly there, there's a, a oh the shot the shot the shot that's of what I, that's what I, I, and, and him yeah. walking alongside the lake, just the most beautiful vision of of modern New Zealand I could ever hope to to see. I don't know if I'll ever see a better shot composed by on a multi million dollar drama than this vision. Mm. Anyway. So as you know, we are, uh, you know, Duncan alluded to the fact that, you know, with all his telly watching, we are watching CTI. We're not going beat by beat recapping so much as just talking about the kind of the moments um, because you watched it. You don't need us to tell you every second thing. that we, you don't need to tell, we don't need to tell you about how, how all the little jokes they made when Matt Gibb was trying to get his ball into the cup. You, you saw that. We might talk about it. But, you know, these key moments that happened across the week, um, and I want to start with Steve Price sitting on the bed and breaking it. Yeah, that was Just really good. Just straight up, that, that bed did three three days of pricey and no more. <laughs> That's enough. I mean, the thing is we've seen how, like I feel a bit bad for, for sort of um, alluding to the, his, his sort of meter-stealing um, <laughs> exploits 
in a previous podcast because he actually seems like a lovely guy on yeah. this. And, but also just a, an almost circus strongman level strongman. I know. So they should be targeting him. I mean, they start to, to, to kind of click into that this week that, oh, actually, you know, Tohora have got this absolute beast of a human that no one's going to be able to beat in any sort of a physical challenge. We need to get rid of him. But they don't quite get over the line on it. There's some guys with like muscly bodies <laughs> <laughs> on the other team, like Nakafu and so on. But there's just something about like a lump of granite like Steve Price <laughs> who just spent a full decade being paid to run into the biggest guys in the competition and does, does not he looks stronger and bigger than when he left. He's going to be a problem. <laughs> I think, like, you'd look at someone like Nick Afo, who you've just name-checked as well, who on any other season, or on this season, were Steve Price not there, we would be like, this guy is an Adonis, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like and he, he, he is. And he is. He's just not... A brick shithouse. A brick <laughs> shithouse. That was the exact <laughs> phrase that was in my head. He's just Steve Price is probably the most like he's. I reckon he might be the single strongest guy I've seen on TV outside of World's Strongest Man, which is a competition I've watched for many, many years. <laughs> Have you watched the Neverending Story? The film, yeah, yeah. So there's the rock biter in the Neverending Story, who's just like this. There's just a giant creature made out of rocks who just like. While the um, the nothing is moving in, God, this is this is my favorite movie. But while the nothing the is theme moving song? in, I've got the twelve inch of the the theme, the Lamal theme the, song, amazing. Oh, it's honestly, Georgie Moroda, like super underrated, so good. Um, but but anyway, the nothing's moving through, literally destroying the earth, and the rock biter is like the thing that's stand. Steve Price, Steve is, Price is the rock, rock biter. biter, and there's a lot of wind happening down here. Just stand behind Steve Price yeah. and you're fine. He's three feet wide. He's, wow. You're fine. Um, Courtney, Jazz and Eli want James to be captain because, you know, it will aid them in the uh, the cross-team alliance thing. Um, so th- I just love the cut of them saying that, you know, James has got to be captain. We need this. And then they cut to James, like, just struggling with a knot on the blind <laughs> and just... <laughs> I just love those beautiful little moments. And James is a real... I mean, he's a real treat on this show. He's such a treat. They. I also think. I think he's also crushing it. I think this would have been hard for James, just based on what little I know of him as a person. Like he's not like a, a classic extrovert, wants to be the the uh, the biggest voice in the room comic. Like he's a just a dude who's got uh, jokes and a vision of New Zealand that yeah. has to get out, and therefore he kind of goes through it. But the way he he almost by being a little bit kind of reticent while also just being, like, incredibly funny all the time. It's like every, he's got this aura about him, which is why the the Tamaiti mm. scene, you know, has such kind of, I don't know, really resonates, is that they they do feel like, like visually they're obviously just an amazing pair, but, but there's something about James that is just really compelling. There is this kind of still power about him. He's really conflicted because he... He wants to be captain, but he also doesn't want to be captain. It's a lot of pressure. He's not sure that he's, you know, going to be a great leader, but he also wants the screen time that comes with being a captain. And checking that, breaking that fourth wall. I, know. I mean, the, the fourth wall's always broken in this show, but to just kind of like be honest about like the production side of things, like I will get more time on the telly if I am captain. 
I love that. I love that I energy. Because that, that, but the, there's breaking the fourth wall, as in like chatting with a uh-huh. producer or making reference to something that's not supposed to, supposed to be part of the show's world. But this felt different, yeah. right? Like expressing the non-charitable motivations yes. of the participants, and it was cool. It was really cool. It was really, and it's true. And I know this from my time as captain on the island. And I will also say this because there's a bit of a struggle for me watching this show. Some of it is so visceral. Some of the moment, like I'm feeling some of these tense moments way more and I'm watching people make decisions going, oh, don't, don't. Like Courtney, you know, when they're talking about um, this cross-team alliance and she's like, I don't really see it as sabotaging my own team because I'm going to try and do everything right for my team up until the merge kind of thing. And I'm like... You, you think that, <laughs> but you wait, because I did the same thing. I made a cross-team alliance. I was like, I'm all for my team, and then we get to the merge. That's when things change. But my team didn't see it that way, especially when it started airing, you know, mm. and they caught on to everything. Then it's like there's there's two facets to this show. It's you being on the island, then a lovely break in between, and then it airing and people seeing things and how it's edited and going, fucking hell. <laughs> you did me dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it's kind of relatively early for that, with one glaring exception. Can we talk about uh, Jordan and Mary Lambie? Oh my god! Yes, of course we can. Can we just talk about like Jordan? Is are we? I mean, we, why does he? Why like this? Actually, if you try and pinpoint beyond that what he's done, it's not a lot. But something about him just. Gives me the heebie-jeebies. There's just no comic relief in him at all. Like, all the seriousness, it is a bit, like Eli says, it's a bit cultish. I know last week there was a lot of kind of eye-rolling at a lot of his, like, uh, his very earnest talks, but this week everyone seems to be, like, drinking the Kool-Aid. I know. Okay, so what happens? Like, let's talk about it in stages, right? So he makes this, he's, he's got this card which says you know, the scroll that basically allows him to save any one of his team. And he tells his team, I will save any one of you, Yeah, you know? Don't worry if you get put in the elimination ring. You don't even really need to try because no matter what, I'm going to save you. I mean, you try. You try. But, like, you can do it. You can play free. You've got a safety net. And and he puts Mary Lambie in. And Mary Lambie is, like, I think Matilda, who is, obviously an amazing player, is just shocked by how good Mary Lambie is. Oh, Mary. And she's incredible. And she flies. And she, but for she like... She should have won She should this. have won. She, it, I mean, it was, it's always hard to know in the edit, but it felt like she was, you know, it felt like she had a significant time advantage and she just kept botching the... That's uh, well, the classic IOUS, isn't it? It's just a lot of vowels in a row. Yeah. She had a chance to correct them, I think maybe like twice. Yeah. And uh and failed. And and, you know, to her credit, um, Matilda just kept grinding, kept yeah. grinding, hoping for a mistake that ultimately came, got through. And then Jordan doesn't play it. And and, and, and as a viewer, you kind of know that that's what's about to happen, right? Yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was signaled. It was signaled. But Mary doesn't know. So she gets up there and she's just sort of waiting for him to play it. Like, that moment's so awkward when Jaden's like, any last words? And she's kind of like, do I have any last words? Am I saying goodbye right now? And she just talks really slowly. And it doesn't even really get to deliver the speech that she would 
Yeah. If she was, you know, if she thought she was genuinely going because she's waiting for Jordan to step in. And then he, they have this hug and he, like an assassin <laughs> who's whispering in your ear while he's cutting your throat, just sort of says, I, I know you'll forgive. What does he say? He said, thanks for understanding, Mary. And she's like, what? And he's like, thanks for understanding. I'm not going to use the card. It's just, and then it's just, oh, just the rage boils in you because it's another older woman. Like, yeah. it's Candy Lane all over again. And she deserved that because she actually just showed how strong a player that's she the, was. That's the crazy thing. Like, what was his justification? Because, but for a couple of, like, misplaced letters, she absolutely torched one of the strongest players, yeah. you know, on the of the whole game. Like, she should have sent Matilda home. You save her... Because you want that feral animal intensity, that physicality on your team. Also, she's cooking all the fucking food, you moron. You know? Like, this woman is is playing a big part in this team and she's actually incredible in the elimination arena. I'm going to cold call her. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Just, just, is that all good? Do you think really me knows who I am? Well, we'll find out. So, so I'm she might have watched. She might have watched my season in preparation. She might well have. So I'm cold calling Mary Lambie Can right now. Anyone just call Mary? Well, Lambie. if you get Mary Lambie, Hi, Mary. Kia ora, Mary. It's uh, it's Duncan Grieve here. Hello, Duncan Grieve here. How are you? I'm really good. Hey, this is very rude of me, but I'm I'm cold calling you live on a podcast, and we can very much cut oh. this cut this if you're not comfortable, but. Jane, Jane Yee, who was a previous contestant on Treasure Island and I... We, we... Hello, Jane. I was most impressed with you, Jane. <gasps> Hi, Mary. How are you? We were just discussing your elimination and we were wondering if you'd give us like five minutes to, to kind of recap it with us because we are furious. We're incandescent with rage on your behalf. Uh, well, yes, of course I'm happy to talk about because I actually consider it quite good therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, you so nearly had that elimination to start with. Just a couple of letters around the wrong way. And you showed your value. You flew through it. You know, what was your what was your sort of feeling at the end of it? Oh, can I even take you back to the beginning? Um, yes, please. You know, please I do. do. I, I, I have relived this jolly thing in my mind so, so often over the past, what, how many months has it been? Yeah. Eight months. You know what it's like, Jane. I do. Kind of, you finish and then it kind of goes away and then you're reliving it all again once the thing goes to air. But um, it was really interesting. You know how the whole thing is that I've got to get, or both of us have to get those letters, so there were 10 of them, onto that rickety old wheelbarrow thing over the bridge and then stack them into a word. Do you know, it was about at about the halfway point of taking those letters over that I looked at and I thought, oh, my God, I know what the word is. And because my abject fear... Abject fear was to be on national TV looking at a bunch of letters or some sort of <laughs> unbelievable puzzle and not having a clue. But I had a clue and I got it. I just thought, oh, my God, I'm being looked after. Look, I know what the word is. It's just a jolly shame that when I started pinging them up on that thing that I got my IOUS around the wrong way. I mean, what a moron. What a complete not a moron. But once it was identified, because I was told that I had won, and then Matt stood up and said, no, 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 she can't even spell. And I turned around <laughs> and I went, oh, God, here we go. Flicked them around and um, it was too late. But I thought, yep, yeah, I'm really stupid. I knew the word. 
can't spell the tail end of it. What a dickhead. And, but it doesn't matter because Jordan's going to look after me. Well, so this is the thing, right? So we're watching it and go, not only has Jordan agreed to save you, he's solemnly sworn to the whole team, but that you have proved your worth. Yes, you, you botched the, the spelling of the thing, but you, you know, Matilda's very good and you absolutely smoked her. So you're obviously a, an incredibly good competitor. How did you feel when you started to realise that this guy was going to just pull full snake on you? You know how there's the huddle? Once they say, no, Mary, I-O-U-S is the order you need it, Matilda's beaten you to it, and I accept that. I mean, you know, I, I, I mucked it up. I, I get that. You know how the team kind of huddled around me at that point? Mm. Apparently, but I didn't hear him, Jordan said something along the lines of, I hope you understand, but I'm actually not going to save you, or something, so words to that effect. And I did not literally hear him. There was just so much going on around me. I was so disappointed in myself that I knew the bloody word, but I cocked up the tail end of it, that that it, he was the last thing I was actually focused on. And as I went over to Jaden, because Jaden called me over and said, oh, okay, Mary, I've got to say our goodbyes now and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, I wonder at what point Jordan will say, Mary, here's the card, I'm saving you. And I thought, this is reality TV. They want eyeballs on the show. They'll track this out as long as possible. Oh. But the more Jaden started to say his goodbyes and sent me off into the wilderness, I thought, hmm, I wonder at what point, I wonder at what point Jordan is actually going to pull the card out, as he did promise, and save me. And it didn't happen. And I was absolutely <laughs> because I would not treat people like that, so I don't expect to be treated like that, do you know? I know, call me old school, call me naive, I'm all of the above. Mary, did you, what point did you realise? Were you, had you sort of walked and out of the I arena? I the bush, oh. literally, as I was walking into the wilderness, and I thought, there has been some colossal mistake here. He said he would save me. And I have heard nothing to suggest that he won't because I literally didn't hear him in that huddle. And and then one of the producers sort of popped out from behind the trees and said, oh, you, you can't come this way, we'll put you in the car and we'll take you to wherever. I thought, well, where is he? Where's Jordan? Is he going to jump out of the sky and finally tell me that I've been saved? I mean, how long can this actually be, you know? And, and, you, and you do, you get taken away immediately. There isn't like a cut and you go and get to hang out with your team and all that kind of thing. Like you get taken away. And so you've not had the opportunity to really say the goodbye speech that you probably would no. have if you actually knew you were going. No, no, I, I no, you're absolutely correct. And I was standing... I, this, so this is kind of offset, if you will. I'm standing on one part of the road surrounded by a couple of producers and then the rest of the teams march out and they go in a sort of an opposite direction. And then my team stops probably 50 metres away from me and I look at them in absolute bewilderment. Like, what actual fuck is going on? And I can't, I just cannot compute it. And I thought, I have been so seriously shafted. And I, I, I would have been cool about it if he had said to me right from the outset, Mary, you're the weakest link in our team or whatever. Like, I'm going to save A, B and C, but I'm not going to save you. Fine. I would have been a bit hurt, but who cares? We wouldn't have been okay with it. We wouldn't. But to be blindsided is a really different proposition, you know? So 
Do you have any vibe about why you? Why, why he didn't? Because your performance said, save this woman. She's incredible. But he chose not to. And, yeah, just curious if you think that there's any kind of, any reason behind why you didn't get saved and yet he's sworn to save everybody else. Yeah, but would he have saved anybody else? Duncan's fishing. Duncan's I'm, I'm fishing. fishing. I'm fishing. There's a history on on CTA of a woman who are maybe a little bit older than the kind of. Oh, that's the, what you. I know. No, I know you're going there. Clearly, at 59, I'm not as fast, flexible, strong, whatever, as as the younger ones. And I'll tell you one thing that has become blatantly obvious through watching it um, is how unfiltered the young ones are. Like they're glorious and they're just free speakers and they just, whatever comes out of their mouth, they just go crazy and it's gorgeous. Whereby I'm so uh, guarded because I was terrified about what the edit might look like. And I've got three teenagers, which is <laughs> worse. I think my husband would be okay with it. But I just didn't want to say anything that potentially could have been taken out of context. I imagine if I had stayed longer, I would have probably softened my approach to that a little bit and been a little more carefree in front of the confession cam or whatever they called it. But in those early days, no, I was just finding my way. And I just did not want to say a thing. I mean, I, I would go for a full day, day and a half, and the producers would not even approach me for any come away and sneak into the bush and tell me your deepest feelings. I mean, I didn't even get those call-ups. So I think that they could see that I was probably not going to be a great giver. Well, look, I, I personally felt... I felt like you you gave us a huge amount in your in your brief time on the show and got royally shafted by someone whose character I think uh, is is already called into to deep suspicion. Um, really, really grateful for you picking up the call and and giving us your time, Mary. So I appreciate <laughs> well, it. Thank you for your interest. Yeah, it's the most phenomenal thing. And Jane, you will appreciate this. It's it's under your skin, man. It really, really it does. It really you'd does. Go in, you'd have a good time. You'd meet some new people. You have a big adventure. Then you all go away and you forget about it. But it's just actually, it's not like that. There's so many other elements at play, aren't there? Yeah, it's a, it's psychological warfare, and I just have to also thank you, Mary. You may have sort of contained yourself throughout your time there, but once you got shafted going on camera and saying, fuck you, you fucking fuck, out of the mouth of Mary Lambie was television gold and an absolute highlight moment of this entire show's history. So thank you for that. I look like I, you know, because I've been pretty well invisible and I, I always think that that's quite an interesting under the radar vibe because you look at the invisible ones and you think, hmm, I wonder when they're going to ping up. Uh, <laughs> and then suddenly I come out with that tirade and I go, I honestly did not think it would make the cut it, naively again because I thought there's too many bleeps in it and it will just not make good TV so I could just go hell for leather. But in all honesty, I truly meant it. Yeah, no, it's a glorious, <laughs> glorious so, moment. It really I'm is. So <laughs> I hate being shafted. Don't ever shaft people, people. Just don't do not do that stuff. Play the long game. Be a decent human. Act with integrity. And if you don't want someone on your team, you bloody look them square in the eye and you say, I don't want you. And so I'm going to make sure that you're out. That's a beautiful note to end on. Thanks so much, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Okay. Bye. Man, having a great run with uh, people picking up the phone. Hey, my biggest takeaway there is that Mary Lambie does indeed know who I am. That's huge. That's wild. But Sorry also, to make it about me again. No, no, it's, it is though. But but also, 
She's still she's still fuming. She's seething. I love it. She's seething. I'm so glad they put her tirade in, and I wasn't kidding. Like, you know, she did. She was laying pretty low, talking about being camp mum, making the rice, and so on and so forth. And then suddenly, this just it's just these words. I mean, it was one word just repeated many, many times. Oh, it was um, beautiful. It was but beautiful. it was beautiful. Should we beautiful. move on to the actual beautiful moment? Yes. Yeah. Look, I've, I know that you've written about this. You feel a a, a lot about this, so I'm going to let you take this. Oh, look. I... I, I I haven't just written about that this for this season. I've written about this, uh, I think probably you know two or three times in in recent years that I think that I mean, obviously, it's a core foundational thesis of the real pod that reality TV should be taken much more seriously as a form. Uh, and that CTI in particular, while it presents as something kind of silly and frivolous, sort of now reliably, kind of produces these moments that are quite transcendent. And it does that in part because of what Mary was just talking about. It does it has this hyper-diverse mm. uh, casting policy. And, you know, I think that it is comes from a very genuine place of wanting to represent, um, you know, the plurality of people that live in this country um, as a little microcosm. And this season, you know, obviously the, the big they got who was, was Tama'iti, probably the most... Um, shocking get mm. in the history of the show um, just because of his, you know, he is almost like a like the, the phrase living legend gets overused, but because of his, um, his role in so many of, of these pivotal moments in our history and because of the way he straddles all these different domains, he's, he's just like a very significant uh, figure. And the idea of seeing him on a reality TV show like I'm sure to some people that would be almost like a betrayal of his legacy. But I think what we saw in the middle of uh, episode five showed it was, it, you know, it was something quite beautiful. You know, he he goes for this walk with with James Mustapick where he basically almost breathes life into him as a leader and... You know, it's this just gorgeous, essentially untouched uh, natural location. And he just is, is sort of explaining to, to James why he thinks he's you know, built to mm. be a leader. And you mm. can see James. I mean, God, can you imagine how much he visibly s swells out of that? And we don't know it yet, but the, the subtext is that he was doing that because he was about to go. And I think Tamaiti knew that for that team, he had become, you know, what you know you would naturally expect, this kind of talismanic mm. figure. And so he announces to the group that he's going to go and it's just it's it's clearly very shocking. It um it's deeply moving. I think there are tears and and you get that again when he tells the, the broader group and he makes these beautiful speeches in uh, both English and Te Reo Māori and it's just, I, I got chills. Did yeah. you get chills? Of course I got chills. And, I mean, Alex and I talked loads last week about how uh, Tame's presence brought so much to the show, even and now, you know, what has ended up being quite a short tenure on the show. Um, it's a real shame we don't get more of him. But also I understand it, right? Like he's 79, 79, 71, 71. 71. Same, same. He's in the, he's he's in in the, the 70s. 70s. You know, he's he's done a lot in his life. Uh, he's not like coasted through and got to a comfortable 71 on his yacht. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's, it is hard. Those beds are just 
like there's everything about kind of surviving in this place. And I got to tell you, it's freaking cold there. Like we saw just how cold it was getting overnight. Jordan was talking at one point and there was steam coming out of it. This is the middle of summer and they're wrapped up in beanies and they're down, you know, three layers of clothing and down um, sleeping bags are not enough to keep them warm. I get that it's hard. It's hard on everyone. And he had become such a, 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 a foundation for this team. But it was so amazing of him to kind of have that foresight to build James up before he left, recognising the role that he played in the team and that if they were to go on and James was you know, going to be their captain, that he needed to be you know, built up a little bit. Um, I'm really sad for us as viewers because he just brought something so special to this show, but it, him leaving also offered this beautiful thing and the scene of him and James walking off, you know, with their arms around each other. That's the thing. And it's also that he left on his own terms. It's very sort of hallmark, you know, don't don't be sad that it's over, be happy that it happened at all kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, true. But it was, I think that the, it's like he knew that he was meant to go on the show, you know, that um, it sounded like it was his, you know, his mockers who'd, who'd told him like this, yeah. you, know, you, you, this you, you can go here and you can do something. And all that he was going to accomplish, he'd largely accomplished just yeah. by his presence. So and, he was and like, his my job there. here is done and now I pass my knowledge and strength on to you. Like it felt <laughs> it felt like a he was ascending to the head. Like there was something <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. like it, it felt like we were watching a movie. I and there was him this to go up and just like a purple kind of a haze, puff of smoke. A puff of smoke or and everyone just go, oh. it's and I don't think we're over egging it. Or, or like infantilizing him or something. No. Like you just have to watch that scene. It's sort of it's roughly ten minutes in the middle of, of episode two, and then suddenly they're like, um, see how you moldy or, or over some macas. Like <laughs> it gets back to being real, <laughs> real rugged, uh, almost immediately. But it's just it's a crazy scene. It's a crazy scene. I still love the karakia that they, they continue to do in Tohora. Well, meanwhile, in Karara, their kind of like team chant is birds of a feather together, <laughs> which doesn't even imply strength or anything. It's just like... Also, it's pe- just not true. People like, who are CTI. alike get together. It's like you people couldn't be any more alike if you tried. Well, unalike oh, if you yeah. tried, rather. Um, anyway, but yeah, it was it was beautiful. We could probably do a whole episode on that moment. We have to move on to the to the Tihe Māori order over the McDonald's because this is the vibe now. Uh, Tame's gone. His his spirit lives on, but we need to get back to the silly game. And to be, to be clear, like, that's cool and funny and absolutely in keeping with the game, but it was just quite a jarring, like, record scratch yeah. uh, move. Uh, so so now we're back to kind of like the, just the CTI as we know it. Um, i got to tell you, there's a few things going on in my head with this season so far. Anyone could win this. Yep. This, I feel like this more than any season I've ever watched feels like this is anyone's game. Yeah, a lot of strong competitors. Huge. But also, I, I feel like production have made the challenges more even, more about teamwork, less about brute strength, even yeah. though there has been strength elements. I still feel like there's, yeah, and, and same with the eliminations, uh, it just feels a little bit more even. I I am really hoping to see Blessing in the final three because I have come to adore the man. Right. So I, look, I, for some reason, I thought that Blessing was a douche. Yeah, me too. I no, don't know. He's so not. Why, why, why was that? Is that, is that based on like, 
you know, Woman's Day coverage from 100 or years ago. Or maybe Rangi's character. I don't it's know. It's really weird, but I was just like, oh, that guy. He's adorable. He is so adorable. When he was doing his little acting, like his, his um, okay, come on, guys, let's all gather. Oh, cut, cut. All right, I'll try that again. Like, oh, and then just taking it on the chin when James forgot his name. Which is ridiculous because James is a, like a mad Shulin Street head. I don't know if he was doing a bit. He must have been doing a bit. Um, but, you know, Rangi, just could be people <laughs> call him Rangi. It's so, he's just so great. Yeah, he's great sport. And we get to the end of this week and he's got some amazing scroll and we don't know what it is and I'm just like so happy that he's got it and I want to know. But he took out Matilda. Yeah. That's no mean feat. And it, the way they were playing it, it looked like she was going to get it because it looked like he had, you know, she had a plan when she was tying up all those knots and chains and he had no plan. But his no plan worked. Yeah. Hey, we, have we properly talked about when Jordan gathers them around after he's betrayed no. their, one of their teammates? No, and we've just t- done a nod to cult-like status, that's all. And and he say, he tells them, you know, like... That was just a one-time thing. I'm saving all the rest of you. And they believe it. Like Eli in particular, who's wearing a very fetching killer's T-shirt, I might add. Like I consider, you know, obviously we've collaborated with him, uh, you know, at the spinoff. Like, so I know him a little bit. He seems like... He's, he's a really cool, onto it guy. He seems like one of the last people I would expect to be taken in by a huckster. And yet... And yet... Then he tells Blair he's going to put him up, right? Yes. And that he won't use the mercy card on him? Or does he tell someone else he won't use the mercy card I on think, him? I think the latter. It's the latter. So he lets, he lets Blair believe he's going to use the mercy card on him. But I think he tells, like, maybe Jazz or someone. He tells everyone. Oh, he tells everyone. Everyone. That's right. That, that was what was crazy to me. He just blatantly, like, tells everyone, oh, yeah, no, I've just been lying this whole time. Why would anyone trust you? He told everyone but Blair. That's Samuel, by the way. the passion of the it Samuel. It pissed me off. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's it's obvious that this is the villain, you know, the, yeah. the all-time villain waiting to be revealed. What? I mean, look. Much as he's seemingly an awful guy, my God, the show needed him. Like, yeah, yeah, it definitely needed that drama because it wasn't going to come from anywhere else. I mean, I think the most other underhand behaviour we've seen, which really doesn't tip the scale, is Mel having her whole team search for a, a oh, yeah. scroll that she knows full well. That's all in the game. Tucked down her brow. It was actually kind of comic, comic relief, I, you know. Yeah, no, totally. That's a, that's completely fair play, but my point is that he well, hasn't... Matt has a I real... he spent like about three days to, like just on his hands and knees looking for that thing. It's fine because Matt's going to be... He's cl- he's slowly clicking on to the fact that that's, he knows the game well enough to know they wouldn't hide it somewhere so well that we can't find it. So someone's already found it. He's getting there. But also, he's going to walk out of this with so many people in his DMs with the amount of matchmaking talk that they're doing That's on the true. show. That's very that true. Even if he doesn't win the treasure, he may well win a treasure, you know? <laughs> That's true. That's good. I mean, it, it is very like, you know, like James Masterpick revealing that he wants the TV time so, so he can sell tickets to his shows or whatever. Matt Give, I'm not sure this is why he did it, but man, is this like... This just could not be a better portrait of this, like, extremely eligible batch. I mean, bachelor season whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I also really have to say, 
I cannot believe, and please put it on my tombstone, that I made it further on Treasure Island than Matilda Green. Mm. I was not expecting her to go home no. this early on. Well, especially not after she won the captaincy by seemingly going to this zen-like state where could she have lasted like 24 hours up there? Yeah, but also there's a screen grab that I put up in the substack where you can actually see her gripping the side of the planks when, when surely that's not allowed when yeah. you're supposed to be. Everyone's like, she was on one peg with one foot. And I'm like, yeah, but she's also holding on to the side of the structure. Hey, she was still on one peg on one foot. That's true. Anyway, look, can't change it, but she's gone. Anyway, like it just goes to show. It doesn't matter how long you can stand on a peg with one foot. Um, you get in the elimination arena if Blair, Strang, Blair Grills happens to be good at throwing hoops. Blair Grills. <laughs> that is actually a great little show within a show yeah, as well. Yeah, love it. I love it. Um, is there anything else major? I mean, obviously there's this, this cross-team alliance that's starting to happen. It's getting very big. Yeah. It's, it's very... But Eli's like, God, it's actually bigger than a team. It is. And it's reminiscent of a previous season um, where Jesse Chook and Courtney and all that seemed to be in alliances with... Yeah. And, and Siobhan. Yes. Yeah. So, so, no, was Lance it? wasn't on that season, but... That's right. Yeah. Uh, yes. It would have been, though. Interestingly, I don't think we've talked about the fact that they've just gone for two teams again this year. Uh, yeah. Echoing fans and faves versus the traditional three team makeup. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I don't know what it means, but that's a thing. That's a thing. It's kind of high level analysis you get it's nowhere else. Nowhere else. Um, that's kind of it. Jazz stole a reward. Great reward to steal. Yeah. I don't blame her for that. Duvets, you know, pillows. Yeah, and she's clearly destroyed by it, but. Well, I've right, done it. Right, right play. Yeah. You know, like what's the point of of having having the rewards? And ever, everyone else would have done the same. So you're all good, Jess. Yeah, and Steve Price was like, uh, you know, he was a bit bummed out. He didn't get his duvet, but he stuck it in the fuck it bucket and then just moved on. <laughs> stuck in the fuck it bucket. Yes. Is that a phrase? Well, it is now. How have I been living my life without that phrase? <laughs> I feel like it was just small and empty without it. <sighs> oh, God, I cannot wait uh, for just to see how this all plays out next week. And we have a very special guest host in next week because, well, Duncan, we're hoping that you'll be able to phone in because you'll yeah. still be on the motto. But I wasn't planning on it, but when I heard that she had uh, the very special guest. You got FOMO. I was like, I want to do that. So James Masterpick is coming in mid-season. Don't read anything into that. It's got nothing to do with when he may or may not be going home. It really doesn't. We don't it, know. No, it really doesn't. Like genuinely. <laughs> the way you said that was well, like, no, because I think people think that, that people are not allowed to do media while they're on the show like that. But um, you'll recall we actually did recaps with Chris Parker during his season and had no clue that he was going to go on to win. So well, Also, these aren't officially endorsed by TVNZ. <laughs> We're just calling people. We are just calling people. <laughs> We're rogue. We are rogue, but it is happening. James Masterpick is coming on to co-host next week's recap with us. And I and, and if you're wait. from you know, Shirelle or any of the other fine people at TVNZ Publicity, don't, don't stop it happening. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's definitely fine. We Look, I'll tell you what, one thing that we can tell you for sure, we don't want to know spoilers, so we're not going to be digging for them because oh, I'd be I don't, I don't want to know anything that happens until it happens on my screen right in front of my eyes. Thank you very much. And that is week two on Celebrity Treasure Island. Hell of a week. Hell of a week. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for being part of our Substack. Thank you to Samuel. Thanks, Samuel. Thank you to Mary Lambie. And Michael Wood. And Melissa Lee. All of the M's. Thanks. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi. Te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. 
If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.